back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. This is Jonathan here with Sean. What a week it was for Johnny Davis. What a week it was for the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, and, yeah, he has a signature performance. Then backs up tonight. Uh, just we just, That game just got done uh, as we're recording here. In 26 tonight after scoring 37 at Purdue. What an impressive uh, back backup performance. I mean, only 26? Come on. No, just kidding. But Johnny Davis is – we talked about this last episode. I was like, I'd probably still take Jaden Ivey as a Big Ten player of the year. You said Kobe Coburn. Johnny Davis is probably the national player of the year now. Like, that's my pick for national player of the year, and I wouldn't think twice about it because of what he did this week. 37 and 26. I'm not great at math, but that seems to be well, – I need, I need to figure this out here. 60 – 63, I think. Okay, 63. Yeah, that sounds right. 63 points this week for Johnny Davis. Wisconsin was only slight favorites in this game, only like two-point favorites, which I thought was a little crazy. They only end up winning by nine. That's not indicative of what the actual closeness of the game was. This game was never really all that close. It was Wisconsin all the way. And then the game against Purdue, like, it was really close, but that's probably the toughest environment outside of Cameron Indoor to play in in college basketball. Like, you don't really win – at, at Mackey Arena very often, and Johnny Davis just looked unfazed by the moment. That's what was most impressive about it. He dropped 37, grabbed 14 boards like it was nothing. Every time they needed a big shot, he made it. That's the kind of player he is. That's why he's probably going to be a top-five draft pick. That's why he's one of the best players in the country. That's why he would receive my National Player of the Year vote right now. And Wisconsin, they're probably the biggest surprise in the country, to be honest with you, because I, I had them like ninth or 10th, I think, in the Big Ten. I'm like – you know, maybe they could be a bubble team. They're looking like a three or a four seed right now. And they wouldn't want it. They wouldn't be a team I want to face because they have the best player in the country. Yeah. And did, ditto on all that, because I mean, he was fantastic. 37 points. He just made every single, you know, big shot. Like there were, was a late stretch in the game where uh, Purdue, I think had the lead down to like two. What did Davis do? He drilled a, you know, big three and, yeah, it was 65-63. Davis drilled the big three. Then he hits, like, the most ridiculous. It's like, wait, he actually shot that? I thought that he was trying to pass. And it goes into the rim. It mm-hmm. was, like, the most ridiculous two-point jumper uh, out there. Uh, and, yeah, Wisconsin ends up holding off the win. Incredible, you know, pass by Travion Williams. Uh, oh man, that was awesome! Like I, I need that to happen in a tournament game for them to win like that. I need yeah. to see that again. Like uh, it was just it, it, like the pass was awesome. We all know Trayvon Williams can pass, but usually you don't have seven foot four guys with the kind of like coordination and uh, just the skill Zach Eady has to be able to catch that and make that play. Like that was a tough play on both ends. The catch, like that's that's an underrated part of that play. Because that's, like, a, a really long pass. Like, what, 90 – how long is a uh, college basketball court? Not an NBA court. College Probably, like, basketball court shorter. 90 feet, I think. I think it's 94, so. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 90 feet. Is NBA the same? Probably. I, th- I thought college was a little shorter. Maybe they're the same. So, yeah, if they're the sure. same, I mean, that's, like, a long, a long catch to make. Yeah. And, like, the, the funny thing is Davidson – was like right there to tip it away from uh, Edie, and then I think mistimed his jump, and then Edie just is like, "Oh, I have the ball. I'm going to dunk the ball here," uh, which uh, very good play. And yeah, Wisconsin ends up. You know, Davis makes. I think they got a run out. Davis made the you know dunk to kind of end the game, and uh, big win for Wisconsin. As you mentioned, Mackey Arena, it's, it wasn't full of students. Uh, a lot of the students were still back, but it was still a – It still counts. Yeah, still a sellout arena, still uh, rocking, and that's that's one of the toughest places to play. You know, I, I'd still say Allen Fieldhouse, Cameron Indoor are pretty – never that, won that. Uh, but like Mackey Arena, I think you could make a valid case that's the best arena in the Big Ten, and uh, to go into that and get walk away with a big victory—that is that's an incredible feat. 
Yeah, and, you know, looking at some other Big Ten results from the week, Illinois, they look like they could be in some trouble today as we're recording this against Maryland, but they're really good for a reason, and they ended up even covering the 11 points. I mean, they were down four at the half. Cutis Wahab just had, had an awful game. I think he's a really solid player, but five fouls. Kofi Coburn had a fantastic game, 23 points, 18 rebounds. Definitely a National Player of the Year candidate there. And then, like, Alfonso Plummer struggled today, 4 for 14, 2 for 8 from 3. But Trent Frazier, any time Illinois needed a big shot over the past couple of years to just kind of turn the energy, even when they had Io, I feel like Trent Frazier was always the guy hitting that shot. Like, at the end-of-game situations, it was Io. But if you needed, like, a momentum shifter, I feel like Trent Frazier has always been that guy over his career. And he did that in this game. He had a couple big-time threes. He's just a really good player experience. He brings a lot to this Illinois team. For Maryland, I mean, they're just not very good. That's kind of what that comes down to. I think they have enough talent to steal some games, but they're not going to make the tournament. Yeah, and Brad Underwood, I like. there's this notion of you need to sit a player when they get two fouls in the first half. Brad Underwood did that. It was just utterly stupid because – I mean, how many times did it happen with Luca last year? Like, yeah. And how many times two fouls? Like, it it happened so much. Yeah. And we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get into LSU Kentucky. Uh, Like, he set out uh, Coburn. I think they were up 16. Maryland ends up taking the halftime lead uh, just because Coburn's not there. And Coburn, I think, went. You know, Davis has to be the pick for National Player of the Year right now. Coburn would probably be number two for me uh, just because he has such an impact, uh, not only offensively where he's just, you know, monster, but defensively you just have that like seven-foot shot-blocking force that Coburn is uh, and, you know, kind but, of his but post defense. But if he onto a guard, we've seen what can happen also. Yeah. So like there's he's not with it. He's not a perfect defender, but he's still, like, really impactful. And when it's, like, Coleman Hawkins or Omar Payne, it's like mm-hmm. Dante, Dante Scott was scoring with ease. But uh, second half, Coburn comes back. Uh, I'm not sure. Let me look at the stats here. He, oh, he did pick up his third foul. So, wow. So he ended with three? Yeah, he ended up with okay. three fouls. Like, I, I get why it happens. Like, I get why coaches bench players with two fouls. But I think, I think like, there's situations where I would do it. But I think it, like, varies situation by situation. Because if, like, let's say when Maryland went on that run to take the lead, Coburn is out of the game. As soon as Maryland gets right back in the range of tying the game or down two, I would have put Coburn back in. Yeah. Because the momentum shifting in the game – Brad Underwood probably had enough trust in his team that they were going to be able to overcome in the second half, which clearly they did, and Coburn had a great half. But I think it comes down to, you know, it, it, you might have to give up a couple buckets and not contest as many shots down low, but if that's what you have to do to get Kopi on the court, then that's what you have to do because there's a lot of players that play with two fouls, and they're able to avoid picking up that third just by being a little less physical, not trying to contest shots. Not, there's a lot of guys that are really good at it, and there's a lot of guys that sit with two fouls and end up having three fouls in the game. I mean, it's just really interesting to see this. Like, I wonder what the statistic is for, like, a player that sits for, like, five or more minutes and a half, how many fouls they end up finishing with. Because I feel like not that often they end up fouling out. Yeah. And the the other thing, too, is, like, oftentimes when they come back in the second half, they're, like, rusty, they're missing mm-hmm. shots. Coburn – to his credit, had a really good second half and didn't look all that rusty. But, like, oftentimes you'll see, you know, player come back second half and they're, like, missing layups that they would usually make just because they're not really in the game flow. Uh, and that that's another thing. Like, I think just kind of getting, you know, like Coburn, I think, picked up around the 12-minute mark or something like that. Like, give him, like, a let's say from the under-eight timeout to the under-four timeout, you just have Coburn in there just so, like, he can get a little bit of rhythm. One, you probably, at that point, have the lead in, going into the second half and aren't down by four. Uh, and two, I think you're able to kind of keep him a little bit of rhythm. 
we'll talk about another game. Uh, I guess we can get into that now uh, where Oscar Shibway, you know, gets into foul trouble. Uh, and again, John Calipari, he sits Oscar Shibway. And to, to Kentucky's credit. They, and Weir did a really solid job, though. Yeah. To Kentucky's credit, they, you know, were only down five at the start of the second half, kind of stayed in the game. But if Oscar Shibway was on the court, who knows? Maybe they're up two or up five hanging in the second half and they end up winning the game because the second half ended up being a 30-30 tie uh, for the second half. Yeah, and Severe Wheeler went down in early in the game. He only played four minutes. He was out with an injury, so he missed most of the game. Uh, he got hurt, like, before the first media timeout, like, right at – I think that set the first media timeout. So he missed pretty much the entire game. And then Ty Ty Washington missed the last couple of minutes of the game uh, with an injury also. So Kentucky was a little unlucky in terms of injury. And But the end of that game, that was just insane. Like, Kentucky has a chance. Sheepway gets his steal, but then it's a bad pass. Kind of lost the handle of it. Tosses it to Davion Mintz. He ends up trying to save it inbounds. LSU gets a breakaway dunk by Tari Eason, I believe. And then, you know, Kentucky just runs down the court, and Xavier Pinson gets a steal, and then he just runs to the other side of the court, gets a game-winning dunk. Like, that was a pretty crazy ending to the game, but I think it just showed how good LSU's defense is because they didn't, they didn't like falter in that moment. Like they, they stepped up to the occasion when they had to. Yeah. And credit to LSU's defense, uh, kind of in the second half. I mean, at Kentucky took a nine point lead. LSU goes on a you know major run. They uh, look at it here. I think it was 20 to two run uh, by mm-hmm. LSU. In like uh, a nine minute span. Yeah. And the, the only points were an Oscar Sheboy dunk, uh, which you're going to give those up occasionally, but they only gave up one during that time. So the defense really locked down, really turned the game over. Kentucky did a good job to make it a game. But again, uh, you mentioned the kind of the slam, the turnover that Kentucky forces. Then they throw it right to Tar Eason, who puts it in, and uh, LSU. Uh, ends up with a really nice win. Uh, the Tigers now 13-1 on the season. Uh, had not really beaten like a whole lot of quality teams. Like they beat Wake Forest, uh, who's decent, but they hadn't like picked up that kind of signature victory, as I kind of say. This is that signature victory. Getting a win against Kentucky, uh, albeit at home, that's that's going to help you a long way. I get that Kentucky had you know different issues going into the game, but that's a really big win for this LSU program. It shows that they're, you know, I'm not sure they're going to win the SEC title, but they're they're right there on track. They're probably going to remain in the top 25 throughout the entirety of the season uh, at this rate, and they probably end up, you know, getting like a sit five, six seed, maybe a top four seed. Uh, who knows? But LSU seems to be uh, at least on the right track. Yeah, they're a team that I'm almost certainly going to pick to lose in the round of 64, I'm going to be honest. I do like them, for sure. I think they're good. They're so good defensively. But if they aren't getting stops on the defensive end, they can definitely get upset in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, the team like Chattanooga. Which... Uh, you want to talk about Chattanooga? I can get into some Chattanooga talk right now. Oh, yeah. I, I'm always down to talk Chattanooga. I Very mean, impressive, Victor. They're awesome. Malachi Smith is one of the best guards in the country, not just at the mid-major level, just period, one of the best guards in the country. David Jean Baptiste became the all-time main three-point leader in Chattanooga history. It would be very cool to see him cap his Chattanooga career out with an NCAA tournament appearance because he's one of the best players in program history. When you have that guard duo and you didn't have Silvio D'Souza in this game against Wofford, the fact that they were able to win that game the way they did was very impressive. It was pretty back and forth, but they held on late. Malachi Smith just made big buckets when it mattered, and that's what he does. When you have a dynamic guard duo like Gene Baptiste and Malachi Smith, that can get you wins in the NCAA tournament. They're a team that I would definitely pick over LSU to win in the tournament. That's that's definitely uh, that's definitely something I would do. Yeah, 12, 12 over 5 matchup of the year, although – Hey, Chattanooga, they, they continue to kind of build a little bit of a resume here. 
maybe they're not, you know, playing LSU. Maybe they're playing in the eight, nine game. I, I would love to coach at Chattanooga too. Yeah. So they, 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 they have an impressive kind of decent resume. Uh, missed a couple opportunities. Uh, I think they played Belmont, had that game close. And Murray State. Yeah, Belmont and Murray State, which those are both quadrant one opportunities. But those Isn't losses. Third one to Char- Charleston, right? Yeah. That's not a stellar loss, but. Yeah. As long as you don't lose the, any bad teams, the way the bubble's looking, they have a chance. Yeah, the, the bubble is. Terrible. I mean, Indiana gets a win here, and now they go from, like, not even in discussion to like, oh, yep, they're they're locked for the NCAA tournament at this point. Like, I'll tell you who's not going to make an appearance on the bubble this year. That's Syracuse. They are not great. Yeah. Although it, I guess credit to Miami, they they were they won that game. They're they're on the bubble this year, which their resume is not stellar either. That, the bubble the bubble is not very good this year. Their best win is what Penn State. I mean, that's that's an okay win now, I guess, because they beat Indiana and Northwestern. But maybe Northwestern's just not very good. Yeah. Uh, as going into the day, SMU was my last team in. Yeah, that's oh, Mem- team. Memphis is in. Yeah, so it's fine. Their SMU's getting blown out by Cincinnati, so that's going to change. Yeah. Hey, they're, they're they're only down sixteen. Maybe they can cut into the lead. With three minutes left? Uh, three and a half, it looks like. Mm, okay, yeah, that, that seems totally reasonable. Yeah, I mean, Texas A&M came back from, like, 14 down with a minute left, so. Yeah, totally. Anything is possible. They'll, I'm sure they'll drain, like, six straight threes to make it a – to take a two-point lead. Yeah. Cincinnati is capable of throwing the ball to SMU at will. Probably not going to play with the same sense of urgency that Texas A&M did either. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, but really impressive win for Chattanooga uh, without Sylvia D'Souza, just kind of handling on the road one of the top teams, you know, top competitors to them uh, in the SoCon. Going to have other opportunities. You know, they'll play Furman here in a little over a week. Uh, play at UNC Greensboro, play at Samford. Like those are opportunities to get a couple, you know, quality wins to just add to their resume. We'll see where they kind of end up. I think if they enter selection Sunday uh, with them, obviously they'll have to lose at least one more game to have to be in consideration for an at-large. But I think if they get five or less losses entering selection Sunday, they should feel at least in pretty good shape, especially with the shape of the bubble. Yeah, I'd love to see it. And then a team that really, like, they probably aren't even on the bubble at this point, Michigan. What's going on? Seven and six, they get Michigan State coming up, then they get Purdue, and then they get Illinois. I think we're talking about a seven and nine Michigan Wolverines team here very soon. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm going to – Spoil a pick. I'm going to pick them to beat Michigan State just because, okay. like, it's I, I it feels like one of those games they'll figure it out, but like, it's it's not looking good. Like, they have to do it, like, that's they need to win that game because yeah. things aren't looking extremely bright. Like, I thought they would lose to Rutgers, I didn't think they would get blown out by Rutgers. Like, that was that was interesting to me, yeah. And it kind of goes about like what we've kind of been talking about. Uh, Michigan all year long. Like the de- the defense has certainly regressed from last season when they were one of the kind of top defenses in the sport. Uh, that certainly regressed. You know, I think they, Diabate and Dickinson aren't quite working out together. Uh, and then, you know, Houston was kind of inefficient in this game. Devon a. Jones literally did not score. Uh, like he was thought to be. Like, yeah. But it, it's still like no. How many how many shots did he take? Like that was, that was a question. Uh, oh for three it looks like. So only three. Yeah. He's got to shoot more than that. Yeah. Especially when you have Caleb Houston going one of eight from three. Like, I, it, 
he still played 31 minutes. So what, I don't know what's going on here. This, this Michigan team though, it's not really, you know, all that impressive to look at. I get, they had, you know, a lot of uh, COVID issues. Their bench wasn't all that deep, but uh, they, the starting five just doesn't provide a whole lot. Like if you're relying on, you know, Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams to win you a game, like you're not a very good team. And this Michigan team, we'll see what they kind of do this weekend. Pretty much a must-win game against Michigan State. Uh, but they have certainly been one of the more disappointing teams of the sport this year. And I think kind of surprisingly, too, because coming into the year, they were top 10. I think some people had them top oh, five, weren't they? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they were fourth. I could be wrong. Let's Maybe see. I had them fourth. I, I don't know. I think four was involved somewhere in there. Yeah. Looks like first week they were sixth. Okay, so they were sixth. I must have had them fourth. Then they moved up to four after week one. Okay. So they, they were at one point ranked fourth. Uh, but – Obviously not ranked fourth right now. Uh, they lose this game to Rutgers somewhat handily. And, yeah, it's not not impressive for this Michigan team. Not impressive for North Carolina, who uh, dropped a game to Notre Dame, probably a game you ideally need to win. Uh, mm-hmm. I still think North Carolina is going to end up getting into the NCAA tournament just because you got to fill mm-hmm. 68 teams. But – it's not looking great. The defense was uh, not really good. Uh, Nate Leszewski or Lazuski, however you pronounce it, he was, you know, getting everything he wanted, getting wide open threes, went six of seven from the perimeter. Blake Leslie had a really good game. And, uh, yeah, Notre Dame was able to kind of walk away with a, a solid victory against North Carolina. They now have two blue blood victories, so maybe that can – kind of helped them a little bit in their at-large case. But, yeah, not impressive for this North Carolina team. Yeah, Notre Dame can score the basketball, no question about that. But North Carolina doesn't defend at all. That's been a problem all year, and it's still a problem. Like, they just don't defend. I honestly, like, I just don't know if they're a tournament team. Like, I think they will probably be. That's what I I agree with you. But, like, besides them being North Carolina, there's really no other reason for me thinking that. Yeah, and, like, the offensive talent is there. Like, Caleb Love is a really good scorer. R.J. Davis has taken a major step forward. Uh, Armando Paycott's good. Like, they're going to score points, and I think that's part of why I still think they can make the NCAA tournament. But, like, wherever they're going against, like, really good competition, I guess you don't really have that great of competition left on the ACC schedule. They only – have to play Duke twice and that's the only known decent team in the ACC but yeah when they went against Kentucky they just like I think Severe Wheeler just kind of like it first five seconds of the game he was like I'm gonna drive to the basket and I'm gonna try to defend you 94 feet and North Carolina just looked shook at that point and I really haven't been all that impressed with them uh, since. Now, when they're going against, you know, kind of the bad teams, you know, they played Boston College. They won that game rather handily. Like, they, you can, I think they can beat Boston College and rack up enough wins to kind of build a decent enough at-large resume. But uh, I don't trust them to beat anyone good. And I think it, when they make the NCAA tournament, they'll be like a 10 seed, and I think they'll lose to the 7 seed. When do where do the quality wins come from though? Because their best win right now is against Michigan, right? Is like is their win against Charleston better? Like where where's Michigan in the net right now? Uh, I still think they're top fifty. That's crazy. They're top fifty. Yeah, I want to say they are. Uh, let me pull up that good old net rankings here. I I want to say that's. I mean, that's still a quadrant two. Yeah, like that's still, like that. That's crazy. I don't know what they've done to be fifty third. Where's uh, North Carolina? North Carolina is forty first. Okay, 
53 seems a little crazy to me because yeah. they're seven and six. I don't know about yeah. that, but I think they're like, we'll, we'll touch on that. I think they're top, still top 25 in Ken Palm. Yeah, but that's still like counting preseason stuff too. Yeah. So I think it's like down to 28th. I think like a month from now, they'll be like way down there in the 50s if they don't start figuring things out. Because I think it took a little bit for like Kentucky to drop last year too, because they had the high expectations coming in. But man, I mean, that's kind of like North Carolina beat Michigan, but Michigan not that good. North Carolina. It really hasn't looked that impressive. They almost lost to Charleston. They almost lost to Brown. I just, it, I don't know. I need to, I need to see something here soon for me to believe they're going to make the tournament. But like, I still feel like they will. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. Like I've certainly not been impressed by North Carolina, but got put sixty-eight teams in the tournament. Which put in UAB over them. I think that's fair. Yeah, assuming UAB doesn't get the at-large. Uh, which they, or I guess they, not the at-large, the automatic bid. Auto, auto bid, yeah. Uh, at, at this point, I'd say Belmont and Murray State. Should they? Yeah, Chattanooga. Like those teams, if they don't get the at-large bid, like I think there's a, we're talking preseason. I think you said it. There could be two-bid OVC. I, th- I think it's going to happen. I just I would love it. Yeah. I mean they both both Belmont and Murray State I think are ranking top 30 in the net and obviously Murray State has that quality win against Memphis. Uh that's going to hopefully age well uh, for them. Uh so yeah, I I think there's going to be end up being too bid OVC at the very least. I w- uh, I can't see Unless, like, Moorhead State. That, that conference is terrible outside of the top two. Yeah. And they're both gone after the year. Yeah, so. Gotta get the two bids while uh, you have it. Yeah, not sure if there'll ever be a two-bid league again. Yeah, last year. Yep. All right. Uh, a few other games. Alabama took care of Florida. Uh, we've got Baylor, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma State, uh, the grind-out fest of Texas Tech, Iowa State. Where do you want to begin here? Uh, I guess we'll get it, go with the ugliest game first, and that was certainly Texas Tech against Iowa State. Let me tell you, Texas Tech and Tennessee might be the two teams that play the ugliest games in the country. Iowa State's right there, too. But, like, you think about that Texas Tech-Tennessee game earlier in the year – They've each had like three games like that this year. It's actually pretty insane. But Texas Tech had an excuse in this one. No TJ Shannon, no Kevin McCuller, no Daniel Bacho. Uh, they were with, also without Miley Wilson. So they were like super shorthanded. They had like seven guys, and a lot of them were reserves. Uh, Kevin O'Banner and Bryson Williams were the two starters that actually started. So it was a lot different. The fact that they led late in that game is a little surprising to me. I think that's telling about what they're going to be able to do once they're fully healthy because the fact that they even competed is very impressive. Yeah, and credit to Texas Tech. Credit to kind of this, what they do defensively. They're just kind of like mucking games up. And this this was a prime example of it. And look, I think if you're going to beat the Baylor, Kansas, I would say, maybe throw Texas up in there. Uh, if you're going to beat those teams on a consistent basis, yeah, you're going to need to get a little bit better offensive production. But you you can win games winning ugly, uh, especially in the Big 12, which is, I think, one of the – it's probably the best defensive conference far and away. Uh, but there's a lot of games that are going to be like this, you know, 51-47 – probably a little bit higher scoring, but credit to Texas Tech just putting up a good effort. It counts for nothing. There are uh, moral victories, then there are real victories. Iowa State gets the real victory, Mm -hmm. Uh, but Texas Tech, yeah, they they certainly competed in this game and uh, found a way to kind of keep it close, even had the lead before Isaiah Brockington hit the big and one uh, to uh, put Iowa State up 
from down two to up two, and uh, they just kind of held on uh, there for uh, the victory to move to 13-1 on the season. That Iowa State shooting, though, really worries me. Like, Gabe Kalsher is at 22% from three this year. Tyrese Hunter's 20%. Uh, he's not a great shooter. Like, Gabe Kalsher, he's really struggled the last two years, so he's probably not a great shooter either at this point. Brockington's not a guy you really want shooting a ton of threes, but he can make them. Caleb Grill is really the guy that's going to hit the shots uh, from three, but that shooting's a big issue for me. But the toughness they play with on the defensive end is going to lead to a lot of wins. I'm just curious what their ceiling actually looks like. Yeah, I, I think we've kind of seen their ceiling this year. Like, they can beat decent teams. Uh, they, I mean, they hung right there with Baylor, uh, which I, I guess we can get into here in a minute. Uh, I mean, they, they've played really tough defensively. I think they're going to be able to hang in games with whoever they're playing. It's just that offensive production. When you're going against, you know, whether it's like Johnny Davis or – you know, Ochai Abaji or James Akinjo, like late in games, uh, you need to make a play. Uh, I I think those teams will be able to beat Iowa State. Just and I don't know if Iowa State will have the kind of offensive production to win those type of games. I think they'll be able to win a lot of games, uh, just maybe not those type of games. I agree with that for sure. How about the game of the week, though? I would say that San Francisco, San Francisco against Loyola Chicago. I don't even think we talked about this game because I don't think it's even scheduled when we last podcasted. That game kind of came out of nowhere, but they played in Salt Lake City today, early uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, I believe. It was a fantastic game, back and forth the entire way. Ryan Schweiger, the Princeton transfer, led Loyola with 24 points, 9 for 10 shooting. The thing about this one is San Francisco has been fantastic at not allowing teams to score on them inside, but Loyola's, Loyola's offense, they rank number one in effective field goal percentage. They were able to get clean looks at the bucket all day. San Francisco really struggled shooting the ball from three, which is an issue they've had recently, uh, and that, that was an issue. Again, they really need the three ball. They're going to win games offensively, and their defense wasn't great today, so they lost this game, but it was a tight competitive game. I came away impressed by both teams, but Loyola Chicago just really hasn't skipped a beat without Cam Crow, William Porter, Moser. Yeah, and uh, Ryan Schweiger, who I, I pre- I'm taking all the credit here. I I predicted him to be the Missouri Valley newcomer of the year. Not okay. sure he's that. Pick. No, probably is. Yeah, probably is. Uh, but I don't know who I picked. I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I just I think I picked I, Chris Knight. Yeah, I I just remember he he was going off in this game, and I was like, that pick's looking really good right now, uh, but. Yeah, he was great. Nine of ten from the field, three of four from three was just uh they left him, you know, there were a couple possessions. He had like wide open threes uh from like the top of the key. He's gonna make those. Uh and yeah, really impressive from Loyola Chicago. Uh didn't get necessarily great production from the starters, but hey, if Ryan Schweiger's gonna come off the bench and score twenty four points you're going to have a good chance to win these type of games. And Loyal Chicago, they had opportunities. They were right there with Michigan State. Uh, of course, lost kind of on, a, I think, buzzer, close to buzzer beating alley-oop uh, by Marcus Pan. I, yeah, I think, mm, yeah it was, I think, was it a buzzer beater? Yeah, no, I think it was close. Like, I don't think it yeah. was. I thought I it think was. Loyola too. had, like, a second to work with. Yeah, Braden like Morris took, like, a half-court shot, right? And then it yeah. missed. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a buzzer beater too, but I don't yeah, think it was. it was close. And they were kind of like right there with Auburn, which uh, that that loss is looking better and better. Um, Auburn's very good. So, I mean, they, they had opportunities to get those two. Didn't quite get done, but, hey, they get this game against San Francisco. And credit to both coaches scheduling this game kind of on short notice, knowing that, hey, we the, – this – one, winning this game is going to help one of us. And two, like, if you lose this game, it's not going to hurt any of us. Get a, you know, neutral site game uh, between two top four teams. Going to help one of the te- two teams and uh, going to provide some afternoon entertainment for people, which it certainly did. San Francisco, I think, looked the part of, you know, competing with them. Uh, and 
you know, should Ryan Schweiger have like coming into the game, he had 11, I guess averaged 11 and a half, or maybe that's the totals after this game. Like if Ryan Schweiger missed a couple of those shots, maybe we're talking about San Francisco because they, uh, they, they certainly looked the part in that game and, uh, but Loyola Chicago comes away with a quality win. Oklahoma State, Kansas. Oklahoma State led for a little bit in this game in the second half, but Kansas able to get the victory. David McCormick came off the bench for the first time this year. 17 points, 15 rebounds. He had a great game, his best game of the year. Ochai Abaji had 16. Christian Brown had 15. Definitely wasn't Kansas's best game. Oklahoma State did a good job on him defensively. But at the end of the day, uh, the box score says they won by 11. That's all that matters. A tough road game, and they were able to win it. I, I mean, this Kansas team is great, obviously. You have Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown, who are probably both going to be first-round picks at this point. David McCormick, if he continues playing like this, I think that it raises Kansas's ceiling even more. Jalen Wilson, though, I feel like is a real key here because he was so good last year. He, 11 a game, eight rebounds a game, shot 33% from deep. Five points per game this year, about seven rebounds per game. So he's still contributing a lot, but just the shooting is really not there this year. Eight percent, he's two for 23. He's he's a very good shooter, I think, when he gets confident, but it just hasn't been there. He was suspended for the first three games of the year. I think Jalen Wilson getting it going will be a big-time thing for Kansas here, and I think that could be the reason why they end up maybe winning a national championship because they certainly have the talent and coaching to do that. Yeah, I was impressed with Kansas in this game because – they at one point missed 19 straight shots, and it, that's crazy. If you miss 19 straight shots, I I don't know what the odds on or like what the record is on that. Like, it would most teams that miss 19 straight shots at one point during the game aren't walking away with an 11 point victory. And no. Kansas did that. Uh, Dave McCormick, I think what he kind of needed was I think him getting you know taken out of the starting lineup is exactly what he needed. He needed like a you know, wake-up call. He needs to like I, – I think earlier this year he's kind of playing soft, not really being aggressive enough. Uh, even like as Kansas was rolling because they have Abaji and Christian Brown who are have both been playing like uh, – Abaji has been playing like a potential National Player of the Year candidate, you know, looking like a first-team All-American right now. And Christian, Christian Brown too looking like an All-American himself. So, I mean, those two... Most underrated player in college basketball. Yeah. He 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 might be, like, one of the... By the end of the year, like, one of the most hated players just because he's, he's got, like, that kind of swagger about him that, like, I think people love to hate, kind of like the Grayson Allen type, like, kind of in that mold. But, yeah, I mean, Abaji and Brown have been good... Uh, Remy Martin did I think he was kind of dealing with a little bit of injuries in this game didn't have his best game uh, I think missed the previous game because of an injury uh, but uh, Dave McCormick stepping up and I think Wilson despite basically doing nothing offensively like he still went in there got 15 rebounds so getting you know Wilson to maybe he's not producing but he him rebounding is going to be big and yeah I think this Kansas team uh, I like that kind of eight-man rotation. I like Jalen Coleman Lands, who's what is he like, thirty-seven years old? But he comes yeah, I think I think he's uh he, he's got to be close to Bill Self's age. He's pretty old. Yeah, uh, he just comes in and uh, gets buckets off the bench. But yeah, I, I think this Kansas team certainly, if David McCormick is playing like he was in this game. Certainly has a chance to win the national championship. Anything can happen in March. They could, of course, lose early and get upset, but they have, a, I think, as good of a chance as anyone to hoist that national championship trophy. Uh, and another team that certainly has a chance to hoist it, very good chance, is the Baylor Bears, uh, who I think played their worst defensive games because the, of the season because they, they were allowing, like, back cut. They were getting back cut to death allowing like too easy a basket, but it didn't matter because they scored 84 points and uh, James Akinjo scored 27, Adam Flagler had 22 and uh, Baylor was just kind of, you know, any shot Oklahoma made, Baylor was like, okay, 
Uh, here's James Akinjo with a pull-up three. Here's James Akinjo with a pull-up two. Here's Adam Flagler with a pull-up three. Uh, and those two were uh, very big in this game as Baylor was able to win somewhat comfortably. Yeah, James Akinjo has that takeover ability. Like, he can put it in another gear when a team needs him to score. We've seen that throughout his career, but to do it at this level, 27 points, he was very efficient, and then 10 for 15 from the field, four, four for six from the foul line. Like, he's a really good player, and he's always been a really good player. He's really underrated. I like James Akinjo a lot. Uh, but this one, I mean, like you said, it, Oklahoma, 24 for 32 from two-point range, but they only went five for 20 from three. So Baylor did a good job defending them from the three-point line, but they could not stop them inside. I do think Baylor's unbeaten season ends in a couple weeks when they play Oklahoma on the road. I will go a step further and say they lose to West Virginia on the road. Okay. I I can see it. I I, I mean, if Taz Sherman is playing, I can see it. Yeah. If Taz Sherman is not playing. He'll be out of the COVID protocol by then, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he's playing. Hopefully, he's playing. He might be playing this weekend. I mean, the game could get canceled for all we know. It, like, half the games we talk about nowadays get canceled, so. Yeah. Well, the, the Big 12 and the SEC are, like, kind of the two conferences are, that are like, yeah, you're playing. So, I, I guess credit to them. But who knows how many players each team will have. So, yeah, we'll we'll kind of see there, but. Yeah, we're we're both predicting upsets during that week. They could lose to Alabama. They play uh, that West Virginia Oklahoma stretch. Uh, play Kansas State following that, but they have Alabama on the schedule. So I mean, that could be a tough game. That's uh, a random game. That's a SEC Big Twelve challenge. Yep. And speaking of Alabama, I was impressed. They got a you know big second half surge and. Got a really nice win against Florida. Uh, you know, first half, Florida kind of took advantage, took the lead. And I think in the second half, Nate Oates, I think, did really good kind of halftime speech uh, from what's kind of being reported, told them to play like blue-collar players. And defensively, they really locked up, uh, get, forced a lot of steals, forced a lot of turnovers. Florida was throwing them the ball. Uh, they must have thought they were wearing – uh, I think Alabama was wearing white in that game. Uh, so they must have thought uh, they were wearing white in the game. They were throwing Alabama the ball like crazy. And uh, Alabama was really able to kind of turn the tables and walk away with a really nice win at Florida. Yeah, and I don't think this will be a, a season-long issue because this team just has too much talent to be this bad shooting the ball. But they're shooting 32% from three this year, which is the worst by any Nate Oaks team in his seven-year coaching career. They certainly have the talent to be a lot better than that, but they haven't been. So that's something they're going to have to turn around because all Nate Oaks teams play fast, up-tempo. They're going to take a ton of threes. Like this team does, 46% of their shots come from three. They just can't make them. And that's something that they're really going to have to figure out here. Yeah, and certainly I think they have the ability to. uh, I mean, we saw in that Gonzaga game, like Shackelford went like, Way go 15 for 17 from three in that game, like something oh, yeah. ridiculous yeah. like that. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's like necessarily an inability to make threes. I just think like sometimes, you know, shooting threes, I think is like the highest volatility. And when Alabama essentially does nothing but shoot threes, they're susceptible to games like this where, you know, Quinterly goes two of nine, Ellis goes two of seven Shackleford goes three of eight, which actually isn't that uh, bad. That's pretty average, but where you don't really, you'll shoot all that well, but when the shots are going in, like they've gone in in the past, you know, like they went in when they played Gonzaga. I mean, that's where this Alabama team, they can certainly lose games that maybe another, you know, top 20 team might not be able to lose. But they can win games like the one against Gonzaga where they just are able to bombard teams with their three-point shootings and uh, teams aren't able to keep up. Uh, Credit to them in this game, didn't shoot it well, still walked away with a win uh, against Florida who should still be a tournament team. Uh, So credit to Alabama there. 
one team that did not walk away with a win. In fact, they walked away with a massive loss. It was the Providence Friars who – Oh, boy. Coming into this game, like, there there was an argument, like, they had maybe the best r- resume, just resume-wise, in the sport. Uh, they They got absolutely hammered by Marquette. They lost like 32 points. Yeah. And the game was close a little bit in the Mm. first half. For like a minute. Yeah. It was 22-18, and I think uh, Marquette finished. They were up like 12. I think they went like on a 20-0 run is the final tally. It was 20-0 run? Jeez. You're not going to win many games when you give up a 20 to zero run. I mean, there was a stretch in there. It was during that run. They turned the ball over on like seven straight possessions. I mean, it's just like they were like dribbling the ball off their feet. It was just like they had never seen pressure, the full court pressure like that. And they just couldn't figure it out at all. They couldn't hit shots. They couldn't do anything. I mean, they couldn't stop. Kirk Weth was getting some wide open dunks. Oso Igadaro was also getting some wide open dunks. They couldn't defend the rim. They couldn't score. They didn't do anything particularly well in this game, which is why they lost by 32. Justin Lewis had 23. Uh, so, yeah, Marquette continues to kind of roll, uh, and they, they now get another kind of quality win. Their big thing is just ending up with a enough, you know, a good enough record because they, they certainly have the wins to make the NCAA tournament. It's just going to be about getting a – you know, decent enough record. Uh, have to be, I think it's like three games above 500, although who knows what it ends up being this year with all the postponements or something like that. But I think that's the lowest uh, team that, that team has ever made the tournament was like three games above 500 as an at-large. Mike Woodson wore suits. Indiana's undefeated when Mike Woodson wears a suit. Uh, they won this game 67-51 to 51, rather handily. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis was fantastic. Uh, 27 points, 12 rebounds in this one. And Indiana felt like they had to have it. Uh, come off a t- very tough loss to Penn State. Uh, and they found a way to get it done. Uh, so credit to Trace Jackson Davis. Credit to defensively because they, they really shut down E.J. Liddell, who uh, only had 11 in this game. Really good defensive performance uh, for the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, I mean, this is a win they needed today. Trace Jackson Davis just wasn't going to let them lose. I tweeted that after the game. He just he just wasn't going to let them lose this one. They end up winning pretty handily. This was a game that Indiana had to win. Yeah, absolutely. And now 11-3 on the season, good record. Uh, but now they have a quality win to back it up. They'll play Minnesota on Sunday. We'll see if Mike Woodson wears a suit to that one because that ultimately is the determining factor for Indiana winning games, apparently. Uh, but if he does, uh, the Hoosiers, they, they're going to win. Uh, that's that's the way it goes about. It's time hey, again for picks, right? Oh, it is. And, Sean, you you took the lead. I, I think I went one game above 500 in the picks uh, section last week. And that, I went from – tying you to down four picks. So I'm going to need to start p- picking some winners here because you, you made some really nice picks this past week. So Yeah, you love to see that. Yeah. Friday, Xavier going on the road to play Butler. Uh, this is a Butler team just got kind of handled a little bit by Seton Hall uh, versus Xavier team uh, that could really – use another quality win. So I'm going with Xavier to win this game and cover the five and a half. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going with Xavier too. I just don't trust Butler when it comes down to it. And Xavier is a much better team top to bottom. Yeah. Uh, Moving into Saturday's action. uh, These lines are not out. So we're using the Ken Palm lines. Uh, First game though, it is UConn at Seton Hall. Seton Hall is a two-point favorite here at home, and I like Seton Hall to win at home. Uh, felt like they got a little bit behind in the Big East race uh, with a couple, you know, COVID 
issues not having Obiagu Samuel for two games certainly big, but I think Seton Hall gets a nice victory against this UConn team. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. Seton Hall's got a Obiagu back that should help them defend Sonogo. Bryce Aiken, I think he's a real key to whatever Seton Hall's able to do offensively. I think he'll have a good game here, and I think Seton Hall will win. There we go. So, agreeing on two straight picks, are you taking Virginia to cover the seven-point spread against North Carolina? I might even take them to win. I mean, at the end of the day, Tony Bennett, as they, they've looked better recently, and they really defend. That's what Virginia always does. They aren't elite defensively like all Virginia teams usually are. They're not great but they're good defensively because that's what Tony Bennett teams usually are. They're 50th in Ken Palm's defense. I think that'll improve throughout the year. I just don't trust that North Carolina is going to be able to score on them. I think that I think Virginia might just win the game. I'll take North Carolina to win the game very close. uh, But seven is just, that's too many points. Like, yeah. And traditionally Virginia owns North Carolina. So, Maybe I might pick Virginia to win the game. I'm certainly predicting them to cover the seven-point spread, though. That's that's too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think it'll be a tough one for the Tar Heels. Yeah. Uh, could be a tough one for Texas uh, going on the road to Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State, four-point favorites in this game. Do you like the Cowboys here? Man, that's tough. Or wait, they're four-point underdogs. Okay. Bet. Uh, I'll take Texas either way. Marcus Carr has really gotten it going the last two games. Their offense has looked way better, and I think Marcus Carr getting it going was the key they needed to unlock the offensive flow. They've looked much better. I think they'll get another win here. Yeah, I'll roll with Texas, uh, and kind of like that four-point line is close enough to where it's just like take whoever you think is going to win. But, yeah, Marcus Carr, I mean, there were – false reports obviously reports out there that Marcus Carr was transferring uh it was frustrating and stuff uh he's he obviously stayed at Texas and he has been fantastic ever since those uh falsified reports were out there because uh ever since then he, he had I think 20 against uh West Virginia 20 against Kansas State uh so yeah he's been fantastic and Texas Certainly their offense has woken up. I'll roll with Texas to win this game. Somewhat close. I think Oklahoma State will keep it a game, but Texas ends up winning here. Uh, And we teased this earlier. I'm taking Michigan to cover their two-point favorites, according to Ken Palm. I just think they're due for a win, uh, so I'll take them to cover the two-point spread in the process. Yeah, I I think – I think I agree with you here, too. Uh, No, I don't know. I've been back and forth on this one because Michigan needs a win, of course. But, like, there's nothing besides me thinking that they need the win that they're actually going to win. It's all go to Michigan State. Max Christie scored 21 the other day. Gabe Brown, he's been really good all year. And I think Marcus Bingham could stop Hunter Dickinson. So I'll go to Michigan State. All right. Differing picks there. I, I'm, I'm rolling with Kansas to win. They're only one-point favorites against Texas Tech. I don't, we don't know who's actually going to be available for Texas Tech, but I'm taking Kansas either way. I just think this, this smart pick here, uh, especially the uncertainty of who's actually in and out of the lineups. So, yeah, give me Kansas. They're one-point favorites in this game, so – one point. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kansas because I just think they're a lot better in Texas Tech. Like you said, we don't know who's going to be available. But what I do know is that Ochai Abaji and Christian Brown is one of the best duos in the country. So I'll go with Kansas. Yeah, I think last year, like Dave McCormick beat Texas. I remember he beat Texas Tech basically himself both those games. So maybe we'll get another good Dave McCormick game as well. Uh this is going to be a very intriguing matchup. Colorado State, uh, they beat Air Force. Uh, we didn't really talk on that, but they beat Air Force, come off their COVID pause. They're going on the road to play San Diego State. This is going to be a very tough matchup, and I'm going to roll with San Diego State to win it. Hmm. 
Wow. Ending the undefeated season. I'm going to go with Colorado State last year. Colorado State won 26-point comeback. John Tanjay, four-point play in the corner, ended up giving Colorado State the win. I think they're going to win pretty handily this time. I don't think San Diego State's offense is good enough to compete with Colorado State at the end of the day, so give me the Rams. All right, differing picks there. Uh, next one here is St. Louis at St. Bonaventure, Battle of the Saints. Pretty sure that game got postponed. Never mind. St. Bonaventure was a four-point favorite. I was going to take St. Louis, but uh, I'm, I guess, not going to take anyone there. Tennessee at LSU. LSU come off a really big win going against a Tennessee team that kind of struggled against Ole Miss. I'm rolling with LSU to cover the four-point spread and win uh, the game as well. Yeah, I agree with you. LSU, I mean, their defense is just so good. I'm gonna, I, I'm probably gonna pick against them, like I said in the tournament. But I, I think they're gonna be able to win this one because both teams are questionable offensively. Tennessee doesn't really have the offense where they're going to be able to take the game over at their scoring because they don't score very well either, but both are good defensive teams, and I expect it to be a pretty low-scoring game. In fact, they're the two best defensive teams in the country, according to Ken Palm. So give me LSU to win, uh, but Tennessee, their offense is pretty bad. So 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 is LSU's, but... Yeah. Uh, should be a close game. Maybe picking Tennessee plus the points. Might be a decent option just because no, if no one scores a point, uh, usually the team that's the underdog wins. But hey, Ole Miss should have won that game, by the way. Yeah, they they and, and they didn't have Jarkel Joyner. Like Tennessee really should have that loss right now. Not like not like the they like the refs had a bad call or anything. They just got outplayed. Yeah, yeah. It's a Sometimes you win those games where you're not really supposed to. That was one of those uh, mm-hmm. situations. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State him on the road to take on Oklahoma. Oklahoma is three-point favorites. I'm rolling with Oklahoma. They're playing uh, good basketball right now. Uh, I think Iowa State, you know, they they barely beat Texas Tech. I, I think they're due for kind of like a little bit of a letdown spot, so give me Oklahoma to win and cover the three-point spread. Yeah, I agree with you. I trust Oklahoma at home. Porter Moser is a great coach. They competed without Tanner Groves again, or they won without Tanner Groves against Kansas State. They played tough against Baylor. This is an Oklahoma team that doesn't have the most talent in the world, but Porter Moser is such a good coach that they're going to be very competitive this year. I think they'll take the home win here. Yeah, they're they're just kind of like they play well together, and like I think they they mesh well to, together. They defend pretty tough so like it, it's definitely I not that Groves didn't I? I meant Tanner Groves they were both out but Tanner Groves is the is the good one yeah I mean but both them are pretty good basketball players but Tanner Groves Jacob is, doesn't play a ton though yeah yeah he's kind of like a seventh or eighth man um, yeah probably eighth yeah Northern Iowa heading on the road to take on Missouri State Missouri State, Isaiah Mosley drilled the game one three. Incredible play. Uh, I'm going to take Northern Iowa to cover the uh, spread, uh, six-point favorites for Missouri State. But give me Isaiah Mosley to drill another game winning three. Uh, (laughs) This one, this one, the game will be tied uh, like 72 all, and this one, it'll give Missouri State the win, although if he misses it, uh, they'll still have overtime to play for. Yeah, I thought Northern Iowa might lose to Valpo the other day. Uh, that didn't happen, not even close to happening. They won by 27. So I've been a little off on Northern Iowa this year. Like, there's times I thought they'd be really good. There's times I thought, uh, you know, it's hard to hard to figure them out. Sometimes they look really good. Sometimes they look terrible. This one, I'm going to go with Missouri State just because they're really athletic and physical. I think that's going to be a big problem for Northern Iowa. But they went with a really small lineup that seemed to work uh, the other day. They went with Noah Carter playing the five primarily, six foot six. Uh, he's That's going to stretch the floor a lot. But against Gage Prim, that could be a big-time problem. So I'm going to go with Missouri State to win and cover here because I just think they're top to bottom better. All right. Uh, Louisville heading on the road to take on Florida State. Florida State is four-point favorites in this game. This is like this is a game I am absolutely torn on because like 
Louisville, it, from all like seeing the season all year long, like I think Louisville's a better team. But I'm going to take Florida State to win and cover the four point spread just because that's how college basketball works. Like it's it's the team you don't think will win that ends up winning. So I'll take Florida State to win and cover by four. Man. I'm going to – like, neither team's really impressed me. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go yes. Florida State, though, because I, I think Leonard Hamilton's going to find a way to get this back on back on track. They just got blown out by Wake Forest. I think Caleb Mills has a big game here, and I think Florida State will win by at least four. All right. Uh, Pac-12 action. UCLA came off a COVID pause, took care of Long Beach State pretty handily. Uh they, they play against California on the road at California, California. Not bad. Might be top five team in the Pac-12, um, mm. top six. Like yeah, I guess that's not really saying much. Yeah, they're, they're, Utah they're not a bad team. Washington at home. That's a terrible loss. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take UCLA, though, to cover the seven-point spread. Uh I think California will keep it kind of close there for a little bit, but UCLA's kind of like raw talent will ultimately play out here. Yeah, I agree with you. UCLA, Johnny or uh, Jaime Hawkins did miss a portion of the game today, I believe. So I guess we'll see what his status is heading into the next game. Uh, yeah, Jews or uh, Hawk has only played 15 minutes. I believe I saw he had an ankle injury, so I guess we'll see if he plays. I think Cal could win the game if if Hawkes doesn't play, but I'm going to take UCLA just as my pick here. But it wouldn't surprise me if Cal won. Yeah, and certainly they could keep it close. Although big potential game for Peyton Watson though, if if uh, Hawkes doesn't play, because Peyton Watson was a guy that was a top 10 recruit. He was a lottery pick projected in the preseason and he's a guy that's probably going to be back for a second year at this point yeah like if he goes to the NBA draft it's like he'll probably get drafted just because of his potential but he won't be a first round pick yeah I mean we've seen too many times where like like this past year like BJ Boston like was not great at Kentucky and you're like why why not go back to school and then like he goes to the Clippers and like immediately figures out so I mean there's I think think, part of like the differences between the pro and the college game just like yeah it's so different yeah some people are like built for the program Mm -hmm. Uh, so maybe Peyton Watson is one of those players Uh, we'll we'll kind of see though Uh, we'll get an opportunity if Jaime Hawkes isn't out there so uh, we'll see on that last game Sunday it is Cincinnati they just blew out uh, SMU as we were finishing up or starting the podcast. They're heading on the road to take on Memphis. Memphis is nine-point favorites in this game, uh, coming off a win against their kryptonite, Tulsa. Do you like Memphis to cover the nine? Man, I'm going to say – I'm going to say – I'm going to say no. I think that Cincinnati covers the nine. I you know we saw what the game so that's kind of what Memphis is they really struggled to hold leads they did that last year too I think it was not in the American tournament maybe just before they had like a twenty point lead against Cincinnati and then turned the ball over on like eight straight possessions and Cincinnati almost won so it's it's that kind of thing like I guess we'll see what happens but I think I think Cincinnati can keep it close I'm gonna take Memphis here here's why. Memphis, in they, whenever they play, half the games they do well, half the games they don't do well. Those those rotate. So they didn't do well against Tulsa, narrowly squeaked out a victory here. They're going to come out in this game uh, firing on all cylinders, and they're going to win this game by like 30 uh, because that's what Memphis does. And then I don't know who they play the next game. Uh, but – they're this game's on ABC too, which can be fun. And then they play at UCF next game. I'm scheduled loss there. Uh, so that that's, that's my prediction there. Yeah. I think, I think that's a pretty, pretty fair prediction. Yeah. Anything can happen with this uh, Memphis program uh, as we've seen. 
Any last thoughts though before we sign off here? Uh, no. Let's let's hopefully most of these games get played. We don't know at this uh, at this time if all these games will get played. Probably not, but we'll see. Hopefully they do, and hopefully it's a good weekend of college basketball. All fingers crossed. All the games take place. Uh, no one has to sit out with COVID. Even the players, like we're thinking, uh, that players probably going to be out with COVID. Nope, they're returning. That that's what's going to happen. Uh, that that's that's we got to put positive vibes into the atmosphere. Uh, those players will be playing. Uh, make sure uh, just sort before we sign off here. Just make sure you know leave a five star review, leave a nice comment in the. Uh, review section. Uh, if you do, we'll read it upon the show uh, at the end of the episode. So make sure to do that. Uh, but until next time, thanks again for tuning into the podcast.